0: Nice to see I haven't frightened you off. I have to say, given some of the comments you have given back to me from yesterday, the one thing that everybody's remembered is that Dr. Chidi has a donut addiction. <laughs> I'm glad to know something's sticking. Can we have the overhead up, please? Okay, so I'm just waiting for the overhead to come up. Technology, technology, right now, so whilst we're waiting for that to come up, I just need to announce a few things. The SEC Health Department is currently doing lots of screening, doing lots of screening for us, and one of the screening things that they're doing, which is new this year, is that they're doing a prostate screening. So they're checking your PSA, your prostate-specific antigen, for men only, obviously, now if your PSA is high, that can indicate that you have some disease. It could also indicate that you may have prostate cancer, so it's, it's a good tool. I would recommend, though, that those gentlemen who want to take this on board, do this um, if they have certain types of symptoms. So if you're unable to pee properly, you're getting blood in your urine, it's uncomfortable down below. To just have a blanket screen, we don't tend to recommend, so don't all Flock down and Stampede, Sister Elsie Staple. So just people usually who are worried that they may have disease, or maybe somebody in your family has had prostate problems. That's a good reason to get the screening, otherwise not. OK, so, yep, yeah, my name is Dr. Chilian Guaba, and I, I do recommend that you follow me on Twitter, because all of the things I'm talking about, and much more, I put on Twitter. Many of you will say, well, you know, what is Twitter, if you don't know? get your children or your grandchildren to sort you out, okay? Get your children or grandchildren to sort you out, and they will teach you about Twitter. It's very useful, very useful, because you can look at all kinds of information from all sorts of different people. Now, yesterday, I said that we were going to be talking about the real YouTube, the real YouTube. Um, but given some of the comments and questions I got yesterday, I thought we'd move that to tomorrow, and today, would talk on this subject, which is the pressure of life and death. The pressure of life and death. And all of us are under some pressure, aren't we? OK. Now, I don't know if you know, but last year we had a, a small sporting event in London. Do you remember that? Yeah, there was just a small sporting event. Probably most of you didn't get to hear about it, the London Olympic Games. Um, and, you know, we all... I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, actually. And there were some fantastic performances. People like Jessica Ennis, winning the heptathlon. Fantastic. We had a wonderful Paralympic Games too, didn't we? You know, I was actually blessed to be at the court when Andy Murray turned himself into a Scottish failure, into a British champion. It was a wonderful event. You know, even... There were even some foreigners who did quite well, too. (laughs) Some foreigners did quite well. But I'd just like to take you back a few years. I'd like to take you back a few years. And some of you may remember this event. 1988, the Seoul Olympic Games, where Ben Johnson (coughs) beat Carl Lewis and won the 100-meter sprint. That was a miraculous, wonderful day, for him anyway. But then, the next day, he was busted. He had been taking all sorts of anabolic steroids to improve his performance. What about this individual, Marion Jones? you remember her? 2000 Olympic Games, she was the darling of the Olympics. She won gold medals in almost everything she did, but likewise, she was busted for taking drugs. In fact, she had to spend some time in prison. She was also married to the fastest man in the world at the time. He is still in prison for taking drugs. He talks about his life of having to defend himself from all these people who are trying to attack him in prison. Completely different experience now. What about this gentleman, Lance Armstrong, remember him? (laughs) Seven times Seven times Tour de France champion. It just seems unbelievable how he did it. Well, he did it by doping. All sorts of anabolic steroids. And and the question I always ask myself is, why on earth do people do this? Why would somebody risk their health in order to gain a temporary advantage? Well, I quite like this poster. It says, you know, possibilities with... Focus, dedication, and steroids. Men can achieve impossible dreams like being a world record, like breaking a world record, or even growing their own breasts. You know, that is one of the side effects of taking steroids. You know, gynecomastia, growing your own breasts. But my question has to be to you, what about you? What about you? Are you abusing steroids? And you're saying, well, you know, I'm... I'm not an athlete. I don't inject myself with steroids every day. Why is he asking me such a ridiculous question? Well, let me show you something. You see, every time you're worried, every time you are fearful, every time you're stressed or angry, your body is releasing steroids into your system. Every single time. Now, so, If if you're stressed at any time, you're going to release steroids. So we have to ask ourselves, what is stress? I mean, we all have to go through stress, right? You know, if we weren't, if we had no stress, we wouldn't even be able to stay awake. Some of you are finding that difficult right now, I see. Maybe it was a big breakfast, I don't know. But stress is just the body's reaction to change that requires a physical, mental, or emotional adjustment or response. It's normal, we all have to do it. And just a little bit of a lecture for you. This is the brain. Any time you have a response to stress, the hypothalamus, it releases a hormone to the pituitary gland, and the pituitary gland releases a hormone that goes to your adrenal cortex, which is just above your kidneys. And that tells your kidneys to release hormones such as cortisol. Now, cortisol is a steroid. Now, some of you may have had to use cortisone. It's almost the same thing. So, it releases cortisol into your system, and that does all sorts of things to your body. And let's have a look. So, let's just imagine yourself at the beginning of the 100 meters race, okay? You're at the beginning of the 100 meter start line, your body is now preparing for the 100 meters, so what does it do? It releases adrenaline and cortisol. What does that do? That makes your heartbeat stronger and faster. That makes your blood pressure rise. OK? So, all, this is all in preparation for the 100 meters. Your body is prepared for injury, that's why cortisol is released. And your concentration levels rise. And if all is successful, you win the race. Now, how many people are training for the 100 meters final? Not even one. OK. But every day, we are going through similar stresses in our bodies. Every single day. So what does it do to us? It's almost the same thing. You know, this stress raises our blood pressure. All that cortisol and adrenaline is still released every time we're stressed. So our blood pressure is raised. We should all be aiming for a blood pressure of about 110 over 60. That's the aim. That is the goal that we should all go for. Um, still today, there are certain doctors who will say to you, Don't worry about it, your blood pressure should be 100 plus your age. Have you ever heard that? Now, that that just doesn't make sense. So if if I make it to 80 years old, my blood pressure should be 180? It makes absolutely no sense. And there are places in the world where people's blood pressure does not rise with age. It just stays exactly the same. So if you can make your goal 110 over 60, Let's say you get it to 120 over 80, that's fine. But make your goal 110 over 60. That, that is always my goal too. You see, stress affects us in many different ways. I want to talk about this lady. There was, in 2009, the Nobel Prize for medicine was given to a lady called Elizabeth Blackburn. Elizabeth Blackburn. She got the Nobel Prize for stating something that maybe you already know. That is, that it's actually not the stress that shortens your life and makes you unwell. It's your response to stress. Because we can't avoid stress. But how you respond to stress affects your life. What she discovered was that there are certain regions in your DNA called telomeres. If you are under stress, those telomeres shorten. And it has been found that if those telomeres shorten in your DNA, you don't live so long. If your body is not under stress, those telomeres lengthen, and that means that your life expectancy increases. And so, what she did, she took a group of people who were under an awful lot of stress. She chose, as an example, parents, single parents who have children with all kinds of difficulties. Some of them may have had six or seven children, all with difficulties trying to cope on their own. That's a stressful job, isn't it? But what she found was that those people who just carried on and accepted it, their telomeres lengthened, and they lived long. But those people, even if they had one or two children, compared to the six or seven, but they found life so stressful that they couldn't cope, and they didn't know where life was going, their telomeres shortened. And they didn't live so long. So it is all about how you interpret the stress. How you interpret the stress. And I put there, it's almost the same thing as what Jesus said when he said, you know, who of you by worrying can add an hour to his life? In fact, by worrying, we shorten our life. She got a Nobel Prize just for demonstrating one text of the Bible. It just tells you the wealth that's in the Bible, right? If we spend a bit of time looking in there, we would have answers that you cannot believe. And it tells us something that, you know, often our interpretation of events are not accurate. Sometimes when we think God is cursing us, He's actually blessing us. I'll give you an example. I used to, when I was at Cambridge and I was training to be a general, I was in general surgery. I had six months of general surgery. General surgery, by the way, for me, is the worst kind of surgery. General surgery is the, the kind of surgery that all the other surgeons don't want to do. It's all to do with your bowels and all that. And when you're training, you spend most of your time just holding on to a retractor with somebody's bowels open before you. It's not the best experience. Now, the worst experience in um, my training was being on call at night. You know, I hated being on call at night. I was always miserable when I was on call at night. And one night, it was incredibly busy, incredibly busy. I had to take in maybe five or six patients that night. I only got maybe two or three hours sleep. And in the morning, I was so annoyed that when I came to my colleagues to hand over, I said to them, look, guys, look, it was such a busy night. You know, I had had to deal with five or six patients, man. And I looked at them, and they gave me no sympathy whatsoever. They just had a blank face. I said, did you hear what I said? I had to take in five or six patients. And so they asked me, so how many patients do you usually take in, Chidi? And they said, I said, well, um, maybe two, possibly three at most. And I usually get an awful lot more sleep than that. And then one of my colleagues said to me, Chidi, I have never taken in less than 15 patients at night. (laughs) I usually take in 20. And you're complaining that you took in five or six that night. So I just looked down and under my breath said, praise God. <laughs> because it's obvious, I mean, it's not, it wasn't me, I wasn't the reason why so few patients came in. Obviously, God was just protecting me. God had been providing me with ample sleep even whilst I was on training. But because he deigned to give me five patients, I started to complain. Sometimes the things that look like a curse are actually a blessing. And we should just spend a little bit more time thinking that, you know what? God sees where I am. He's not blind to what's going on to me. So if he sees what I'm doing and he knows the end, I think I'm just going to trust him. That is the the best way. And if you have that, your telomeres will lengthen. No matter what the stressful environment, they will lengthen. Now, I told you that I started to become interested in medicine when I read the book Ministry of Healing. And in the book Ministry of Healing, we find what I consider the best definition of disease. There is no better definition of disease that I've come across than in Ministry of Healing. It's chapter 8, paragraph 127.1, and it says, Disease is the effort of nature to free the system from conditions that result from a violation of the health laws. That's what disease is. Disease is your body trying to change something that we've done wrong to it. So, an example would be let's take blood pressure. Now, I'm not going to baffle you too much. This is just a simple equation. And the equation says that blood pressure equals cardiac output times total peripheral resistance. Cardiac output. It's just how much blood your heart can pump out in a minute. Yeah, in a minute. And total peripheral resistance is how much resistance to that blood flow there is in your system. So, if I ask you this question, which would have more resistance for blood flow? Would it be the wide pipe or the narrow pipe? The The narrow pipe, yes. So, the narrower the vessel, the more resistance there is. Okay? So, if your vessels are narrowing, your blood, and let's say you want to, the blood is going to your heart or to your brain, you want the same amount of blood to go to your heart or brain, but your vessels have now narrowed, how on earth can you get the same amount of blood to those organs? More force. Yeah, the blood has to go a lot quicker. It's got a narrower place to go through, so it has to go a lot quicker. And in order to make the blood go quicker, there needs to be more force. So the more force comes from the heart, and that increases your blood pressure. That's why your blood pressure's up. Now, if I come to you as a good doctor with your high blood pressure, and I just give you a tablet to lower your blood pressure, well, you're not going to have enough blood go into your organs, because your arteries are narrow. So your blood pressure will certainly come down, and that's good to prevent you from having a stroke. But you can still have a stroke because there's not enough blood going to the organ. You understand that? okay? And we know why the arteries now, we looked at this, because your arteries can narrow because of disease, such as cholesterol and fat building up in your your arteries. And also it can narrow because of other things, like stress. I mean, this, this gentleman, this is our typical example, You know, when you have something like a high salty diet, or a high fat or a high sugar diet, your arteries tend to narrow anyway. People with lots of sugar in their arteries, they have narrow arteries. No exercise, your your arteries will narrow. And so that is why we call high blood pressure a silent killer. It's a silent killer. But the most interesting thing about blood pressure is that blood pressure is not the worst part of the disease in itself. Blood pressure is just a warning. Blood pressure is just a warning sign to us. And those of us who drive know about warning signs, right? My first car, you know, I always cherish the thought of my very first car. It was a Peugeot 205 1.9 injection. Most of you don't know what that is, that's fine. But for me, it was a great car. And I used the maximum amount of my money to buy that car. I used the maximum because I had no money left over for repairs or anything. So that was it. My money had gone. And actually, the car wasn't that good to start with. I could see it was a bit dilapidated. Now, soon after I bought it, warning signs started to go off on the dashboard. I had no money to pay for any repairs, so I just carried on. I said, well, you know, God will get me through. and um, you know, you know you start, when you start the engine, you start with a prayer, you know, let the car start and all that. And so week in, week out, month in, month out, I got away with it, even though the warning signs were going off, until one day, when um, the car could provide the maximum amount of embarrassment for me, when I was driving through Oxford Street on a busy, hot day, the bonnet just came off. And the whole car was surrounded by a cloud of smoke. And everybody's just looking at me, shaking their heads, and you know. know. I didn't even have enough money. I wasn't even a member of the AA. So, So I was just there for ages, waiting for someone to come and pick me up. And that is because I did not listen and heed the warnings. Blood pressure, high blood pressure, ladies and gentlemen, is a warning sign. It's... It's it's significant in itself, but it's a warning sign, because, yes, it can cause a stroke, we know that, but actually, there are other problems. One of the big problems is cancer. Now, I said to you that when when you're under stress, your body ends up releasing cortisol. Cortisol, that's a steroid. Now, that steroid hormone goes through the entire bloodstream, reaches all of your cells, and it reaches certain cells called your natural killer cells. These are white blood cells. Those natural killer cells are designed to root out cancer and destroy it. Now, cortisol wipes those cells out. So, stress wipes out all of those cells. In fact, there is a, um, a research project that was done a few years ago that showed a woman going through divorce has a 300% risk of getting breast cancer. Now, it's not the divorce that causes it. It's the stress that they go through. So when you are going through a stressful situation, and you don't know how to deal with that stress, you are daily wiping out your white blood cells, and you are daily putting yourself at risk of cancer. So if you come to me with high blood pressure, and I give you a pill, to lower your blood pressure, we have not dealt with the stress, have we? So, your body is still building up problems for the future. Obviously, um, stress can lead to things like anxiety and depression. We, We all know that. Something you may not know, that Alzheimer's disease is linked to stress. There is so much information coming in now that Alzheimer's disease is a lifestyle disease. We know it's related to obesity, we know it's related to heart disease, diabetes. It is also related to stress, a stressful life. Okay? We already know that 20% of people who have dementia have what we call multi-infarct dementia. That means that there are these little infarcts going off in their brain because your blood pressure is so high, and that takes away some of your cognition. But what we're learning now is that even throughout your life, if you are under this amount of stress, it can predispose you for Alzheimer's disease. Um, How many people here are scientists? Any scientists here? Any scientists? One or two? Great. You know, scientists are wonderful people. They do things that most of us never even think about. And there was a group of scientists several years ago, 1988, they went out into Africa, and they found these mandarin monkeys. You know those mandarins, the ones with the red, white and blue noses? And this is what they do. They caught them, they got a little telescope, and they looked up their back passages. I told you, none of us would think of doing those things. (laughs) To catch a load of monkeys and look up their back passages with a telescope, why would you do that? Well, they did that, they looked up their back passages and they said, well, everything's normal, so they let them go. They took exactly the same monkeys that were in a zoo, in captivity, did exactly the same thing, and they found that over 50% of those mandarin monkeys had ulcerative colitis. That's an inflammatory bowel disease. And it's ulcerative, all the bowel is ulcerated and bleeding. They had the same diet. The thing that was different is that the good ones were free, the bad ones were in captivity, under stress. That stress can lead to bowel disease. Most of you know that if I asked you to come up here and speak, you get that butterfly in your tummy feeling, right? No? Shall we try it? No, no, okay, all right, fine. Okay, so that that is a mild form of stress affecting your bowels. Okay. You take it a little bit further, and you can get irritable bowel syndrome. You've heard of that? Where you get this flatulence, bloating, sometimes you get diarrhea. Most of the time, irritable bowel syndrome is not really a problem with your bowel, it's a problem with stress. And people who are highly stressed or anxious are more disposed to get irritable bowel. Now, if you take that even further, like those mandarin monkeys, you can actually get physical damage of the lining of your bowels in inflammatory bowel disease, such as ulcerative colitis. So these are the things that are underlying, these are the things that are the warnings that a stressful life and high blood pressure um, indicates. Diabetes also. Anybody knows that if you take an awful lot of steroids, you can become a diabetic. So if you're releasing steroids into your system on a daily basis, it can increase your risk of becoming a diabetic. So what can we do about it? You know, there's no point in me just telling you all the bad stuff. We need to know what can we do. The good news is we can reverse it. That is good news, right? Fantastic. And I'd like to use a wonderful man. I'm sure you've all heard of him. Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton, for me, probably one of the greatest scientists that ever lived. But also, he was a fundamental Christian. You know that? You may not know that Isaac Newton spent more time writing about the Bible than he did about science. And you should read what he has to say about the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. This is Isaac Newton. He has the same interpretations that we have. Very interesting. But in his second law, he said force equals mass times acceleration. And really, what, he was, what it sums up as, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. And a body at rest tends to stay at rest. Now, what does that mean? You know if you get a big rock and you're trying to push it, to get it moving takes an awful lot of effort. But once it's going, it's not so hard. Yeah? It's a bit like a car. When you're trying to push a car to get it started, it's, it's hard. But then once it's going, it's easier. That's called inertia. So that's a body at rest wanting to stay at rest. And a body in motion wants to stay in motion. And I always interpret this for my health talks, because sometimes a body at rest just wants to stay at rest. Yeah, nobody can recognize this, right? When you think about exercise, you think to yourself, goodness me, I have to go and get changed. I have to go outside. I have to come back and have a shower. I think I'll just stay in front of the TV. It's a lot easier. You know. So it's trying to get yourself motivated is the difficult thing. But once you are motivated, once you are a body in motion, you can actually stay in motion. Once you get used to the habit of exercising... Once you get used to the habit of, yeah, just a little bit of sweat, that's okay, that means that you're able to keep going. And I always say, one of the best exercises you can do is is walk. And actually, that doesn't take a lot of changing and sweating and all for that, but just going out for a walk a good half an hour a day. If you can aim for an hour, that'll be even better. This is one perfect antidote to stress, because the hormones you release when you're exercising Actually counteract the hormones from stress, so it's a it's a beautiful way of counteracting that. Um, definitely diet. Definitely diet. Um, now we know that whole grains, whole fruit, whole vegetables is a perfect way to eat. But many people say to me, "Yeah, that's 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 okay, Chitty. I hear what you're saying, but I find it difficult. Like you, I have a problem with di- with donuts. You know. So how do I overcome this? How do I do it? Well. You'll be happy to know there is a method to overcome your food addictions, and it's quite nicely called the Dr. Chitty method. The Dr. Chitty method. Let me explain it to you, okay? You see, one of the problems is when you see that donut that you want to eat, many of us try to fight it by saying, I must not eat that donut. I must not eat that donut. And you know what? When you tell yourself you must not eat something, you want it even more, you know? Oh, I've got to stay away from that. You just want it even more. So here's what I advise you to do. Do not tell yourself that you cannot eat the donut. Tell yourself that you will eat the donut, okay? Okay, this is on camera, so I'm going to be... So tell yourself you will eat the donut, but you'll eat it in half an hour, right? You'll eat it in half an hour. So that takes away the stress of, I cannot, and it allows you to relax a bit. You say, I will eat it in half an hour, and at the same time, you just eat yourself an apple, right? Now, the great thing about eating an apple is that it doesn't give you that big rush of sugar, but it slowly releases sugar into your bloodstream. And it takes about half an hour for that sugar level to start to rise to a level whereby you might think, actually, I don't need a donut anymore. Yeah? It it gets a little easier. I'm not saying it's, sometimes you you still may fall, but it's easier to cope with that temptation, because that, that drive for the donut is a sugar drive. Oh, I just want to get that energy in. But once you've got that glucose in your bloodstream to a certain level, you'll be able to overcome it. And then you say, well, okay, but then in an hour's time, I still might want that donut again. Well, do the same mechanism. It's called choosing to have it but delaying it mechanism. Choosing to have it and delaying it. Choose having it, delay it. Chiddy. That's the chitty method. There you go, that's for free. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Okay, now, another way to overcome the pressure of life, another way, and a very simple way, is drinking water. Let me explain. How many people have ever swum? Can you swim here? Anyone swim? Come see your hands. Fantastic. Now, of those of you who can swim, how many of you have ever swam in a swimming pool full of treacle? You ever done that? Can you see your hands? No? Never done that? Okay, right. Can you imagine trying to swim in a swimming pool full of treacle? It would be incredibly hard, wouldn't it? Because it's so thick, you'd be pulling and pushing And that kind of gives you an idea of why our blood pressure rises also. If your blood is thick, if your blood is thick, it takes more effort to push it around the system. If it is more dilute, it takes less effort to push it around the system. So the more water you are able to drink to dilute your blood, the lower your blood pressure. Certain people who take on an awful lot of water and start to drink about two liters a day, have found that they can lower their blood pressure by at least five to ten points just by doing that. It's amazing. So make sure every day that you are fully hydrated. How do you know that you're hydrated? Make sure that your pee is almost like water. If it looks like aid you've got a problem, especially if it's fizzy, okay? <laughs> um, then you need Urgent help, okay? Urgent help, urgent help. Okay, now another thing, another thing that will help with overcoming the stress and the pressure of life is plugging in to the toods of life. I know some of you have heard about this, the toods of life, it's not a spelling mistake, it's not the tunes of life, or the tides of life, it's the toods of life. And one of the first things is magnitude, you know? We are here to magnify God. That is our purpose. That's why we're here. We say we're here to make God known, and when we make God known, we magnify Him. If we spend a bit more time magnifying God and a bit less time magnifying our problems, honestly, your pressure will come down. Your stress levels will come down. And really, that's the way we should be because we're not here for ourselves, we're here for God. Another thing is gratitude. All of us are going to have problems in our life. All of us. But actually, God's asking us to remember all the things He's already done. Every day, have you got something to be thankful for? Yes, we do. We are alive. We have loved ones. We can see, we can walk, we can do all sorts of things. We have so many reasons to be thankful We have so many reasons to be grateful to God for. And another thing is attitude. I mean, when when we're hiring people, we don't tend to hire people based on their qualifications, but on their attitude. Attitude is very difficult to teach, very difficult to train. It is something that we have. But it's absolutely essential that if you have the right attitude, you can reach any altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude these are the t- these are the t- are the tudes of life the tudes of life now when we're talking about stress we need some proper stress management and the best thing for stress management is to talk to God and I found the best possible prescription the best possible prescription for dealing with stress is found in Philippians 4 verses 4 to 8 Philippians 4, verses 4 to 8, and we'll read it together. It just says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. That means always. No matter what is going on in your life, give thanks to God. Even if you've got tears rolling down your eyes, even if people have been abusing and, and stealing from you, still rejoice because we have a God who sees us. Nothing that happens to us is a mistake to God. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This is very important to us, you know. Let our gentleness be evident. Not just inside, but let everybody see it. You know, share that gentleness with people around you. And what tends to happen is when you share that gentleness with people around you, they respond differently to you. Your life becomes an awful lot easier. I remember once I got onto a, a plane, a, a British Airways plane. It was absolutely jam-packed. And I had my seat was right at the back. Okay, And, and for some reason, it just seemed that that seat seemed to be smaller than every other seat. Uh, But as I got on, I just said hello, and you know, the air steward who was seeing me to my seat, you know, she was talking to me. I just said, yeah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, I'm fine. How are you? And you know, how long have you been doing this job and everything? So as I sat down, she looked at me. She said, no, um, I don't think you can sit here. I said, well, you know, this is my seat. I've paid for it, so I so I just have to sit here. She goes, no, 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 I'm going to I'm going to have to move you. This lady got me up and moved me up to first class. Just because, and she told me, just because of my attitude towards her. Most people would have been grumbling and complaining just by being happy, just by having the right attitude, I got a wonderful seat with wonderful food all the way back from America for the price of an economy flight. Praise the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident and you may get upgraded too. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know, as we said, anxiety, what does it do? It doesn't achieve anything. It only achieves in shortening our lives. So let's spend more time in prayer, talking to God. You know, sometimes we don't get things because we don't actually ask God. Talk to him about the problem. Don't just keep it to yourself. And present your request to God with thanksgiving. Thanking him that, you know what, Lord, I believe you can do this. But even if you don't do this, I'm still going to thank you. I'm still going to praise you. Because even if you don't give this to me, I know you've got a better plan for me. And that's always the case. The reason why we're alive today is because God has a better plan for us. Our future is definitely better than our past. That's why we're still alive. And God says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. It's amazing that he says it will guard your hearts and your minds. You know, it will protect your heart and your mind. We talked about Alzheimer's, we talked about heart disease. That kind of peace will protect you for life. It's a guarantee, if you can get in tune with the peace of God. And very interestingly, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. We have to spend more time in our life thinking about the good that God has done for us, the great things that are out there. Sometimes when you read the news or listen to the news, it's all negative. Have you seen that? Everything's negative. Sometimes we need to just turn that off and think about positive things. That alone will lower your blood pressure. That alone will remove much of the stress in your life. So even when things are happening to you or against you, still think about things that are good for you. If you can't think about something good in your life, think about Jesus himself and what he's done for you. We have a Father, we have a God, who loves us like nobody else can. And sometimes the reason why we spend our time in anxiety and stress and fear is because we're just separate from Him. You know, we've separated ourselves from Him. But we have a God who really wants to connect with us, He loves us, and He wants us to have a happy, healthy life. And I just want to finish off with this short video to demonstrate this point.
1: father you have been looking for all your life. This is his love letter to you. My child, you may not know me. Brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you.
0: We have a loving father. He only has good desires for us. No matter what the world may say, he is in control. He is in control. So why do we have to live with the stress? Why don't we let it go? Why don't we give our bodies a break? Okay, so tomorrow we are going to, as promised yesterday, Uh, take you back to the early stages of your life and we will be dealing with the real YouTube and that means we're going to be talking about everything through your gut from constipation to cancer but I'll give you the, the four pieces of homework I gave you yesterday and that is what we need to do is to look back with forgiveness, look forward in hope, look down with compassion and look up with gratitude. Until tomorrow, God bless.